0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When
1: Dion Leonard is training for a race, he says he sets up two large industrial heaters in his spare bedroom. He wears the warmest clothes he has and puts on a backpack loaded with 15 pounds of rice or sugar. And then he sets the treadmill incline as high as it can go and runs for hours. He does this to train himself to run ultramarathons in extreme conditions, like through China's Gobi Desert. In June of 2016, he took three flights and a long train ride from Edinburgh, Scotland, to a remote part of northwestern China. He says he remembers feeling exhausted before the race even started. The first day, he ran 25 miles. On the morning of day two, He was gearing up to run 25 more.
2: And I remember looking at my bag to make sure that everything's zipped up and the chest straps are done up tightly. And I'm looking down and making sure that uh, I'm ready to go. And I look down and um, I see this little dog chewing on my shoes. And I start to yell out to the 100 other runners at the race and the race organisers.
1: The dog was skinny and small, Some kind of light brown terrier that didn't look like it had been bathed in a long time, that had skin problems, no collar. No one had any idea where the dog had come from. People said it had to be a stray. Dion was there to win a race, 155 miles over seven days, with your food and water and supplies on your back. One of the toughest races in the world. I just don't understand how you run for so long.
2: Well, I think um, sometimes I ask myself the same questions, to be honest.
1: Well, let's just say today is a Wednesday. Yeah. How, how much will you run? Do you run every day?
2: Yeah, i probably run 10 to 20 miles uh, most days. So obviously, sometimes work gets in the way, but um, yeah, I'll probably do 60 to 100 miles a week in training.
1: So you will run 10 to 20 miles today?
2: I'll do 10 today, but it's pretty wet and windy today, so yeah, maybe not.
1: What will be your pace for your mile today?
2: Uh, Between six, seven-minute miles. So it won't take me very long to knock out ten miles. It's pretty flat down here as well, so that helps.
1: (laughs) At the end of day one of the ultramarathon in the Gobi Desert, Dion was in third place. He trained hard and was feeling confident that he could win the whole race. And then he looked down and saw some little dog biting at his shoe.
2: Like whose dog is this? Someone come and get this damn dog away from me! And uh, I love animals. It wasn't that at all. It was just I was focused on the race. I was focused on the day running ahead, and also the race was literally about to start. So I didn't want this dog um, to be trodden on. I didn't want to trip over it. So as I'm yelling this out, the the race starting gun goes off, and we're running down the road, and. Uh, This dog's still on my leg as the other hundred runners start to to form a line in front of me and take over. And here I am mid-pack, nearly last, when I finally get this dog to get off my leg. And I started to run, and I hit the trail, and I was running up some of the hills just before the big mountain pass. And I heard it behind me a couple of times, but I didn't think anything of it.
1: He ran through a forest, and then the trail became steeper and steeper. Soon, he was running through snow— At one point, he passed a glacier. Everything was foggy and misty. He was so high up, he was running through the clouds.
2: And uh, I ran into the finish line, which was 25 miles that day, and I remember there were people cheering and clapping and the locals were playing drums, and I thought that was really weird because, actually, that really only happens for the first male and the first female winners of the day. And I was fourth overall, and it wasn't a great result. Um, So I thought, why is everyone cheering and clapping and getting so excited for me? And uh, as I crossed the finish line, all of that noise and commotion was still carrying on. And it was then when I turned around that I could see this little brown dog running in behind me. And of course, all of the attention was for her.
1: This little brown dog had followed him for 25 miles, over a mountain, Dion didn't know what to think. There they were at the finish line, staring at each other. I'm Phoebe Judge, and this is Love. Dion decided to call the little dog, Gobi. He needed to eat, and he knew she must have been hungry too.
2: I started to unpack my bag to get my food out and my food consists of peanuts and almonds and uh, dried meats and dehydrated food, all lightweight food, high calories, not specifically really great for dogs but I started to eat some of the dried meat which is great for the protein during the race and uh, and uh, started to feed Gobi as well and sh- she was she was so hungry that I ended up giving most of my food to her. So. She then collapsed next to me and laid next to me and uh, went to sleep. And it was like she, she'd had a great day. She now had a full belly and uh, she, was, she was next to the one she wanted to be next to.
1: When Dion woke up the next morning, the dog was still curled up next to him. He says he was surprised she'd stuck with him. There were plenty of other people around, runners and race organizers, that had also given her food and attention. But she seemed to like him. Midway through day three, they reached a river about 300 feet wide. Dion says he's about six feet tall, and the water came up to his waist. The current was very strong, and he had to wade through it carefully. He could see the first and second place runners ahead of him in the water.
2: I thought to myself, you know, they're not that far ahead of me. I can definitely catch them. I can make it through the water quickly and catch up to them.
1: And then he heard barking and yelping behind him.
2: And uh, at that moment I spin around to see what's going on and uh, it's, it's Gobi running up and down the riverbank and she's, she's barking, yelping and whining because I'd left her there and she knows that she can't cross the water on her own. And if she had, if she would have been washed away. So at the, I, I just made this decision, this this instant decision to, to go back and to pick her up and as I went down got on my knees and and lifted her up and put her in my arms, she just nestled into my arms and she turned to me and she looked at me with these big brown eyes and she just had love in her eyes and uh, from that moment on I was was sold I
1: mean that's a big deal to waste time in a race
2: yeah it's a huge deal um, for someone that is there to win the race and um, makes that decision to to go back and to, to sacrifice the time and the effort just to do it. Um, it was just something inside of me that I did. I didn't really think about it at the time. I just knew it was the right thing to do. And um, I, had, I had this sort of inner b- belief that it was the right thing and I needed to do it and just did it.
1: So once you cross server, you put her down and, and keep running and she's right there by your side?
2: Yeah, we carry on, and a few other occasions throughout that same stage, we cross some other water crossings, not as large, and we also cross some um, river bridge gates that she couldn't cross on her own, so I'd have to pick her up a couple of times and carry across them as well. And uh, I just, every time I picked her up, she just nestled into my arm, and she just seemed to put on this smile, and she just, she knew how to work me, (laughs) let's put it that way, and Every time I did it, I just fell more and more in love with her. And um, it just, she just sort of got into my heart from that moment.
1: As Dion and Gobi neared the end of the day, Dion says he was sure he'd be finishing in third place. But then he reached the top of a ridge and could see the two runners ahead of him. They didn't look like they were going very fast at all.
2: And I encouraged Gobi to... Uh, to run as fast as she could and tried to run quietly and quickly behind them to try and catch up on them. And they'd obviously been struggling. It was really hot day and it was dry conditions. I think they were out of water as well. And uh, yeah, I remember saying to Gobi, let's go, let's try and win this stage. And about 50 metres before the actual finish line, um, they turned around to see myself and Gobi running past them and uh, they were shocked. <laughs> And uh, I, I ended up finishing that stage first and Gobi was second. And uh, it was just it was just the best feeling to know that I'd done the right thing and gone and got Gobi, picked her up, taken her across the river, but still went on to win that stage. And uh, I was a very proud of myself for that. And, uh, you know, of course, Gobi and I became as, as thick as thieves really then.
1: This was about the halfway point of the race – It seemed like Gobi would keep running with him, whether it was good for her or not. Dion had trained to run 155 miles in the heat, but he figured she hadn't. He was worried, and so he arranged for a race volunteer to drive Gobi for the next two stages of the race. And then they ran the final stage together. Dion stopped running every few miles to give Gobi water. At one point... Another runner stopped, too, instead of taking the opportunity to pass. The runner said it wouldn't be fair. I could hardly run past you while you're giving her a drink. Dion and Gobi crossed the finish line together. Dion came in second overall, not the first-place finish he'd dreamed of, but he says he barely thought about that. At one point, he'd wondered if he'd finished the race at all. He says, just by being there, Gobi made me want to keep going. He'd already decided that he didn't want to go home to Scotland without her. This isn't an easy thing. I mean, taking a dog from China back to Scotland or really any country to any country is not something you just put the dog under your seat. There's a whole long, complicated process, right?
2: Yeah, especially in China and This is a process that can take three months at the best of times. It's it's usually a three-month quarantine process just to find out whether a dog has rabies or not. So you've got to go through that process just for that alone.
1: Dion knew it would take time to put together a realistic plan. A race volunteer offered to take care of Gobi while Dion went home to work out the details. He contacted as many pet travel companies as he could, asking for help. Everyone said no. Logistically, it was a nightmare. Just getting Gobi to one of the bigger cities in China, where she could quarantine, was looking nearly impossible.
2: People from Beijing or Shanghai could organize Gobi to be moved out of the country for us, but they needed someone from the region where Gobi was to bring the dog to either Beijing or Shanghai. Now, the lady that was looking after Gobi, she couldn't do that. So we were trying to find out how we could move Gobi. Gobi didn't have any of the medical requirements to go on a plane or to be moved, even in a car. So it was proving difficult to find out how how this could happen.
1: And during this time, Dion says he stopped really getting any updates about how Gobi was doing. The race volunteer, who'd offered to look after Gobi, answered Dion's emails very sporadically. Sometimes Dion would go weeks without hearing anything.
2: That started to make me a little queasy inside, and I I knew things weren't right for a little while before I actually received a phone call to say Gobi had gone missing, and she was missing in that city of three million people. And I was devastated. I was heartbroken, and I was angry. I was really upset about it, and uh, I thought we had everything in place, and that... uh, That was the moment that I made a very quick decision to fly all the way back out to Northwest China, all the way back, those three aeroplanes and that long train ride to, to go out there and see if I could find her.
1: Support for This Is Love comes from Indeed. Hiring someone new can sometimes feel like finding a missing puzzle piece. The right person can complete a team, but the search can take a long time. And sometimes it feels entirely up to chance. Indeed is designed to help you find that perfect match much easier and much faster. Indeed's matching engine learns from your preferences for job candidates and becomes more accurate over time. That means the more you use it, the better it gets, you also don't need to worry about the busy work of hiring. Indeed will help you with scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Listeners to this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash thisislove. Just go to indeed.com slash thisislove right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash love. Terms and conditions apply.
0: Need to hire? You need indeed. Embracing nature is more than just going for a walk now and then. It's reconnecting with the elements. It's harnessing the power of natural ingredients. It's putting the earth first. For over 50 years, Nature's Sunshine has been sharing the healing power of nature as they work towards a healthier planet. Their manufacturing facility is 100% powered by sunlight, and they divert 95% of waste away from landfills. If you're looking for a sustainably made herbal supplement, you might want to check out Nature Sunshine and their new power line. Power Beats are a superfood performance booster that can help enhance both performance and blood flow. And Power Meal is a satisfying protein-packed superfood shake that comes in sustainable packaging made with nearly 40% post-consumer recycled plastics. Now that's something you can feel good about. This Earth Month, you can enjoy 25% off your first order with code NSP. Just go to naturesunshine.com. That's naturesunshine.com and use code NSP for 25% off your first order.
1: Dion had been training to run an ultramarathon in Chile in just a few months, which, according to his plan, would put him in a good position to run what's considered the toughest race in the world through the Sahara Desert in Morocco. But he left it all behind to go find Gobi. He knew the odds weren't great. In 2016, Urumqi, the city where she'd gone missing, had a population of 3.5 million people. Little by little, People heard about Dion and why he was looking for Gobi and stepped forward to help him print and put up posters.
2: Day after day after day, as we were putting these posters up, the word was getting out on the streets that this this guy had come all this way for this little dog and people thought it was pretty amazing and uh, everyone started searching. If only she knew just how popular she was.
1: The search team got bigger every day. One day... Dion says he counted 50 people, all helping him look. One of Dion's tentmates from the race flew over from Hong Kong to join in the search. Sometimes the group would stay out all night. It was discouraging, though, day after day, no luck. People would be eager to help and be wrong. They'd tell Dion, we might have your dog, and he'd show up, and it would be a black lab. I mean, surely there must have been a few times where you thought to yourself, you know what, I, I've done all I can do. I've spent enough money, I've spent enough time, I've got a wife, I've got a job, I've got a life, I can't I can't give this dog any more time.
2: No, uh, I was committed. From the moment I made that promise to Gobi, I was committed, and when she went missing, that commitment um, just fired up even more inside me. And, you know, I'm pretty driven and stubborn and... Uh, uh, yeah, no. There was there was no way I was going to let her down again. After all of that had happened, and there was there, there's there is just some connection and bond with Gobi um, that yeah, I don't know is is just unexplainable.
1: One night, Dion was eating dinner with his friend from the race, Richard. One of the search team members sent Dion a text with a blurry picture of a dog. She asked him if it was Gobi. Dion didn't think so. But Richard convinced him that they had to go see for themselves, just to
2: be sure. He he said to me, look, you've got to go out and see if this is her or not. And we went out to this family's home, and I walked in behind translator, a driver, Richard, and a few other people from the search party and across the other side of the living room was this little brown dog, and uh, she came running up to me, barking, yelping, and whining. As soon as she saw me, I hadn't said a word, and uh, she was so excited to see me, and uh, I knew straight away it was Gobi.
1: Gobi was safe with this family, but it was clear she'd been through a lot. She'd been hit by a car, and her leg needed an immediate operation.
2: But on the flip side, she was alive, and uh, you know, from that moment onwards, she wasn't going to go out of my sight.
1: In order to go home with Dion, Gobi had to pass a rabies test. Then, she had to wait 90 days for a second round of test results. Dion said okay. He asked his boss for a sabbatical from his job as a business manager for a whiskey company. He says he fully expected people to think he'd lost it completely. But for him, he says, it was the only solution that made any kind of sense. Dion rented a small apartment in Beijing for the two of them. They went for long walks and found coffee shops that would let dogs inside. Dion says every morning when he woke up, Gobi would be staring at him, inches from his face. And then, on New Year's Eve 2016, they headed home, together. When Gobi finally came walked into the door of your home, when you finally walked in four months later, five months later, Gobi walks in. Do you think this little dog was saying, what the hell is this? What is going on?
2: <laughs> she probably was when she saw the cat. She was, <laughs> that was probably a real shock to her system because I'd seen her with other cats out in Beijing and she's she's not a big fan of other cats, but uh, I've got an indoor cat called Lara and she's a ragdoll and she's uh, the princess of the house and, and of course... From her point of view, Lara the cat, I'd been away for six months basically. From the race started in June, it was January when I got there with Gobi. So for six months I'd disappeared on on Lara and uh, she's, you know, I'm, I'm probably her favourite out of my wife and her. So here I am finally turning up and she's excited to see me, yet I bring in this little uh, little dog. So that was a shock for both of them. But, you know, they get on great, I guess, most of the time. <laughs> They sleep together at night. They fight and run up and down the hallway during the day.
1: Yeah, it feels to me like Gobi's not like a dog that you train to sit.
2: Gobi can't do any tricks at all. (laughs) She can run, but uh, she can't do any tricks at all. And uh, I've never tried to teach her anything either. So I think I I love the personality and the dog that she is and... uh, Yeah, she's she's her own sort of dog and her own character, and uh, she's always got plenty of energy to burn. So yeah, it's best left that she, uh, she, she has a great life, but also that she enjoys herself as well.
1: Do you run with her now, just short little runs?
2: We do, we do run together, short runs, uh, maybe to the bakery or to go and get a coffee. I mean, Gobi loves to run. She's she's born to run and she would still love to be out there running ultramarathons. But with the leg operation that she received and uh, just trying to look after Gobi in general, of course, we don't make her do anything that she, you know, that she shouldn't do. And uh, now it's more for enjoyment.
1: What is it like to just have a normal life with Gobi? I mean, the life you've known is hiding out in an apartment in Beijing, running across deserts, searching her down, you know, in the middle of cities. What is it like to just wake up in the morning and put a leash on Gobi and take her out to go to the bathroom?
2: Yeah. Well, it's something else just to just to be around her. I mean, she's, she's just such a happy little dog. Like, even when things aren't going well, You just, uh, you can channel Gobi's positivity and uh, just makes the day better. Sometimes you'll be walking along with Gobi and, you know, you'll be busy. I might be busy taking a phone call or on my phone or just not paying enough attention to Gobi and I feel bad about that, but Gobi will sit down in the grass and uh, there's no moving her. Like, she may be a small dog, but when she wants to sit down and just stop and take the world in, that's what I do with her and... uh, She can sit there for half an hour, an hour before she decides, right, I've had enough of this, let's go. And uh, it's those moments when I'm just sitting there and it's making sure I make the most of every moment I've got with her.
1: This Is Love is created by Lauren Spohr and me. Nidia Wilson is our senior producer. Susanna Robertson is our assistant producer. Audio mix by Michael Rafiel and Rob Byers. Special thanks to Matt Majak. Julian Alexander makes original illustrations for each episode of This Is Love. You can see them on Instagram at This Is Love Show. We're also on Facebook and Twitter at This Is Love Show. This is Love is recorded in the studios of North Carolina Public Radio, WUNC. We're a proud member of Radiotopia from PRX, a collection of the best podcasts around. I'm Phoebe Judge, and this is Love. Radiotopia.
0: not to mention Power Meal, which delivers plant-based calories from Whole Foods to help keep you both energized and feeling satisfied throughout the day. This Earth Month, you can enjoy 25% off your first order with code NSP. Just go to naturesunshine.com. That's naturesunshine.com and use code NSP for 25% off your first order. Why do you run? Why does anyone? I always thought that runners loved running,